We are, this has been incredible, and we're only in chapter two of Acts, and this kind of um, thematic slogan has come up over the last six weeks. We started this in early January. We're going on this journey through the book of Acts, and, and, and this, this is the theme right here on the screens. It says this, that we gather to worship, come on, say it with me, and we to witness. We gather to worship. Here we are today, Sunday. We already had 9 a.m. We had last night's service. Uh, We've got one more after this, our 1 p.m. We gather together to lift up the name of Jesus. We gather together to hear a corporate word. We gather together to fellowship before and after service all the way in the parking lot. It's wonderful. But when we leave, we leave on purpose. We, we leave not just going our merry way, not just going our separate ways. No, we got our heads up. We got our eyes. We're looking around. We're leaving with intentionality. Because why? Because we are a sent people. We are called to be witnesses of Jesus. And that doesn't happen in here. It happens out there. Amen? So we gather to worship, yes, but then we scatter to worship. We are sent people. Somebody say sent. And this is the life that God has called us to live. Now, before we read, we're going to skip down, look at verse 41. That's where we're going to pick up here. Let me just, I mean, very quickly give you a quick recap. So the resurrected Jesus gives his marching orders to his uh, 11 at the time, disciples, now apostles. And then he ascends to heaven to be with his father. And he's sending them on their way, but says, wait for the Holy Spirit. Days later, supernatural event takes place. They didn't even know what was coming. All they were told to do was wait for the Holy Spirit. And they encounter the Holy Spirit. And all in the room, it wasn't just the 12. It was also a bunch of believers. The Holy Spirit comes down in the room and sets everybody ablaze. And there is a supernatural sound also that happens. And the people in Jerusalem, all there celebrating a festival come a-running. They come a-running to the holy ruckus, all right? And they're like, what's going on? And, and, and of all people, uh, Peter preaches the first message of the New Testament church. And the reason I say that is, cuss like a sailor, foot in mouth, Peter becomes a different person. He's a new man. He's a man on fire. He's a preaching machine, and he preaches the gospel. And let's look what happens right here at verse 40. One. It says, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Hey, they just had a mega church pop up right there, <laughs> literally right before their eyes. And the apostles and all the believers had to be so giddy. They're, they're, I can see it. I'm a visual person. They're, they're elbowing each other like, what is happening? They're high-fiving like, God is moving. I mean, 3,000 people. And by the way, in biblical times, back then, they only counted the men. So we don't even really know what that number was. So it's just incredible what God is doing in this moment. And they're celebrating, and I can just see it. And then they're like, now what? We just had revival. So many people got saved. Now, what do we do? And that's where we're going to pick up at verse 42. Are you there? Acts 2, verse 42. And I want you just to take a quick note. I usually emphasize it with my voice, and of course we have on the screen here too, but take a quick note of how many times you hear me say the word all or together, all right? Because we're talking today about the family of God. Verse 42, 
all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's the word of God, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So those four things they were devoted to. And as they were doing those, look what happens. There's always a result of seeking the Lord. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe, we were just singing about that, came over them all, somebody say all, came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 44, and all the believers met together, somebody say together, together in one place, that must have been a big old place, all right, met together in one place and shared everything. Look at the beauty of this. Shared everything they had. So there wasn't none of this like when you're a little kid, like two years old, and we have to teach them. Like, it wasn't none of mine. It was just here. It was, this is ours. We're here together. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they have. Verse 45. Look, look what, this is miraculous in of itself. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. So they didn't sell the property and make more money. They were sharing with those in need. Incredible. Verse 46, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals. These people like to eat with great joy and generosity. All the while, so this is all happening, and then it ends it with this, last verse, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And look at this, and here's the, the bottom line, most important result from the way they were living. And each day the Lord added, somebody say added. The Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Beautiful. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are definitely already in the room. We welcome you now to come just a little closer. And would you highlight things as we hear your word? Highlight those things that, that speak to us, God, that we need to apply to our lives, starting with me. Speak to me even as I preached to these awesome people. And Holy Spirit, help me preach. Help me speak for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said did you catch the unity language in all that we just read? The all, the together, the sharing. You know, the good Dr. Luke, who was very specific in his language, uh, is giving us a vivid description of how the first Christians, how they did life together. But here's the question. How did they know to do what we just read? How did the early church know how to live this way? And I want to tell you how they knew. Because the original 11, Judas wasn't around anymore. They had a new guy, Matthias. The original 11, they did it with Jesus. See, Jesus, they were simply emulating what we just read in the early church, what Jesus did with the 12. Jesus and his disciples, I know we just think about Jesus and his 12 with just ministry, and they did a lot of ministry in those three years, but they also did life together. Jesus and the 12 were very close. They were very tight they, they prayed together, they ate together, they cried together. Yes, they ministered together as we see throughout the Gospels. But they, they even took communion together. But we also see that they were there for one another. 
And so the church, what we just read, those simple five verses, the church is simply emulating what Jesus did with his 12. There was unity. Somebody say unity. And community that came together. And listen, and it changed the world. It was beautiful. We call it family. As imperfect and flawed as we all are, God has called us to be the family of God. Amen? There was a whole bunch of one another going on. They were, here's, and here's what we got to recognize and understand, that Luke is describing how the early church lived out what Jesus has said what, what, to the twelve in John 13, let me just show you this one verse, John 13, 35. Again, Luke is describing what I just read, what Jesus told them, how Jesus told them to live. It says this, by everyone, by, excuse me, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Come on, say it with me. If you, if you love one another. How many people know that love is a verb? We can say that we love someone, but real love, I submit to you, real love has action with it. Real love is birthed out of a love for God, real love for one another. It comes from a compassionate place to think the best of people, to, to, to serve people, to do life together. Love. It's a love. Is a, it's not just here and in my heart. It's followed in my feet. And we love people, come on, as Jesus has loved us, amen? I don't know about you, but we've been loved a lot by Jesus, and as long as we're in the earth, we're going to keep being loved on, amen? Anybody thankful for the love of God? I know I am. So the prescription from Jesus is what Luke is describing. The prescription of this one another. And by the way, you hear that a lot in the New Testament, that language of one another. There's actually 59 commands of one another. I'll just give you six of them real quick. Just kind of get us on the same page. First one, very important one, forgive one another. Just to forgive one another. How, well, how do I do that when people have hurt me? You forgive as Christ has forgiven us. I've been forgiven much. Forgive one another. How about this? Pray for one another. Don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you. No, pray for one another. Serve one another. Amen? To, to help each other out. Serve one another. And I just remind you, when we serve, we look like Jesus, the greatest servant of all. Serve one another. This is a, a personal one. Care for one another. When people are hurting. I could just even hear it in my spirit right now because I'm preaching, but I'm also listening to the Holy Spirit. Some people would say, well, I'll do the one another when someone does it for me. And can I say, Jesus already did it for you. He, he, he emulated, he modeled the one another. We're, we're only here today because of Jesus. You're alive today. I'm alive today because of Jesus. So I got to give the love away. I've got to serve one another. I got to care for one another. Well, we've got to do that, care for one another. How about this? Honor one another. There is no elitism in the kingdom of God. There's not others above you or, or what people below you. We just honor everyone. We honor each other as we honor King Jesus. Amen. And the most important one, again, there's 59 commandments of, of another. I'll just give you just a few here, is love one another. And we already talked about that. Love has action behind it. Leave those on the screen for just a few moments. Let that kind of just soak in. Because here's the deal. To do those things... And the other commandments that are on there about the one another, 
Here's what the deal. We have to be with one another. To, to serve one another, you have to be with one another. To, to love one another, you have to get to know one another. You have to be with each other. You have to invite people in. In where? Your heart. So it's, it's all about the one another. Somebody say one another. And we can see from what I just read, and you can see it all through the book of Acts. And as you go into the epistles, all the letters from the different people who wrote them, you can see that the early church prioritized. I mean, it was very, it was the most important thing besides seeking Jesus of being with one another. And can I tell you, that's a kingdom way of living. It's not, it's not me first or mine. It's actually you first. The, scripture, the epistles are full of them. It's that I think of your interests before my own. All right, somebody's like, that's really hard. I didn't say it was easy. But with the grace of God, come on, somebody, and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can put each other first. Well, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. We can argue with each other. I'm going to outserve you. No, I'm going to You know, we can live this way, doing life with one another. Amen? So, so, because here's the deal, the Christian life right here on the screen, the Christian life was never meant to be a see you next Sunday kind of thing. It was never meant to be, the Christian life wasn't supposed to be centered around 90 minutes of together and then you just pull in your garage and you never see anyone again until the next week. No, the Christian life is about doing life together about being with each other, about enjoying one another. And, and I, was, I was asking some people this week, I always like to hear from people. I texted some people, non-staff. I hear from my staff a lot, and I love what they bring to the table. But I, want, I feel like I just need to hear from some non-staff today. Like, how come we don't do this? Like, what, why is it that we as a church, capital C, don't really live this way anymore? Because a lot of people say, well, Pastor Chris, that was 2,000 years ago. People can't do that anymore. We're too busy. We, we got too much going on. Family, this, sports, all that kind of stuff. And I would just say, uh-uh. There, this is actually the way of God. And I've found that when you do it God's way, he actually even gives you more time in your life. When you honor God in the way, somebody say way. When you honor him in the way, of, of living, he will honor you. And so I asked these people, just sent out some texts, hey, how come we don't live this like we should, starting with me? How come we don't live these, these verses of, of being one another from Acts 2? And every single person texted me something very, very similar. It was all regarded around hurt and pain. Well, I used to do that, but we let people in our home or we let people in our hearts and they hurt us and it just, we just kind of pulled back. All, all, all different language, but very, very similar. And can I just submit this to all of us in the room? We cannot allow the enemy to use past stuff that's connected to pain to dictate who we are today or tomorrow. Amen? We've got to be a people who have open homes, open hearts, open lives. And I know, listen, I know we've all been hurt. But, somebody say but. Because there's other part of the sense. But we've also hurt others. I've hurt people through the years. Not intentionally. But we've all hurt others and we've all been hurt. So if we've been hurt, come on, and you're still hurt, let's, let's get over this and forgive. Amen? Let, let's forgive like Christ has forgiven us. All right? And if we've hurt others, God, forgive me. And go to them if you can. 
And if they're out of state, send them a text, give them a call, something. But don't hold on to that thing. God doesn't want you bitter. He wants you better. And you get better by doing it his way. Amen? And so I want to give you very quickly, just to kind of drill down on this. Y'all still with me? All right. I want to give you two big Bible college words that I have not said since I was 24 years old. All right? And the only reason I said it then is I had to pass the test. All right? Uh, it's orthodoxy and orthoproxy. All right? Orthodoxy and orthoproxy. Uh, it's not a word you're going to hear at the grocery store. I'd like that, that, and some orthoproxy. It sounds like an acne medicine or something, right? Um, orthodoxy is this. All right? Orthodox. You've probably heard that before. It's the right belief. Orthoproxy is the right practice. Orthodoxy, right belief. Orthoproxy is the right practice. Somebody say practice. Because here's the deal. As followers of Jesus, listen, this is very important. If you don't hear anything, I would say please lean in and listen to this. As followers of Jesus, we aren't just called to right belief here and here. We are called to right practices of what we believe. Did you hear that? As followers of Jesus, we aren't just called to believe it here and here. It eventually has got to come to the feet so we live it out. Amen? Because somewhere, and we got we to gotta get this and understand it, somewhere along the way, we've made it okay to separate our beliefs from our lifestyle. We, we, we've made it okay. We aren't just called to believe the truth of God's word. God wants us to apply it to our lives and live God's word. Amen? And so what we're reading here is this description of the early church. God is saying, I want you to live this way. I want you to do life with one another, love one another. And yes, there's going to be friction because with humans there's friction. Right behind love is forgive one another. By the way, you can't forgive if you don't love out of that love comes a serving, and it goes on and go on. Do this one another, Jesus is saying. And that's what the early church was doing. Pastor Johnson has said it for years. I've heard him say it several times since we've been here, but he has said it for years. If God is really God, then live like he's really God. If you believe that he's God, then live like he's God. If you believe that he's king, then let him call the shots in your life. Live like he's king. Amen? And so we need to be reminded today, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded a lot. We need to be reminded today, and this is very important, that in the belief, that our belief in the words of Jesus demands an adoption of the way of Jesus. Did you catch that? Our belief, it just can't stay belief it's got to be adopted into our lifestyle. There is a way. Somebody say way. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he was speaking about relationship, that he is the only way. But can I tell you what? He also has a way of living. It's what we call kingdom. It's a kingdom. And let me tell you what. The kingdom way is totally upside down from the worldly way. And I'll say this, the kingdom way is better in every way for your soul, for your mind, and for your life. Because if all we do is believe, guess what? We're just being hearers of the word, and God has called us to be doers. Amen? So I want to, I want to read something uh, to you, and because 
talking about this whole, how, how did we get here, capital C, as a church? How did, how did we get to the, that we're so away from the way the early church was and how they lived? And I'll say it to you like this. We, we, we have drifted from a Christ-centric lifestyle to a me-centered lifestyle. We have drifted. Uh, y'all know me. I talk about the beach a lot. Going to go there this summer. Can't wait. And if you've ever been to the beach before and you, you know where your family is on the sand or where the condo may be that you rented and you're playing and, and you're just having a whole bunch of fun with, you know, by yourself or who with ever family. And before you know it, for example, I'll just use this. This is the beach house. This is where my family's at. And I have drifted. I didn't even know it, but I've drifted far away until you get over like, hey, where is everybody? You know, anybody ever experienced that before? You're just, you're lost and just fun. And then you realize you've drifted. Can I tell you what? When you get away from the word of God and the way of God, you will find yourself drifting from God. I want to say that again. When you get away from the word of God and the way of God, you will find yourself drifting from God. God. And I want to say this right now, just to somebody in the room. It's not about my way. It's about his way. He's my king. I got to live like I declared out of my mouth. So it's not, it's not me. It's not about me and mine. It's about him, his kingdom, and honestly, then you, then me. That's, that's the way Jesus has called us to live. So let me show you uh, we're going to have it here on the screen. I'm going to read Acts 2, 40 through, 42 excuse me, through 47 out of a brand new translation. It just came out in 2024. It's called Today's American Version. All right? So I want to read Acts 2, 42 through 47 out of the TAV. All right? You're like, I haven't heard that. It just came out. It's fresh. Fresh off the press. And we got it here for you. All right? On the screen. You're already reading ahead. <laughs> they, who's they? That's the church. They, de- today's version, all right? This is, okay, I'm just saying. T- they devoted themselves to Christian influencers, 30 sec TikTok videos, and sometimes to a monthly small group, to receiving occasional communion at church, and to praying alone before they fall asleep. No one was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles because there were none. Few of the believers were together and only a handful had anything in common. They held on to their property and possessions and gave at Christmas time to their favorite nonprofit to ensure they got that last big tax write-off of the year. They met together at church maybe once or twice a month. And if they missed it, they might. They might, if they had time, check out the YouTube message. And this is where it gets sad. They broke bread in their homes strictly with their own family and ate while watching TV with discontent and bored hearts. Can I just submit to you real quick? When you don't live God's way, you will find that your Christianity is boring. When you don't live it his way. And by the way, his way is the best way, and his ways are higher. Amen? All right, three of you, good. Uh, three, they, they praise God. Look at this. They praise God with their lips while their hearts remain distant and cold toward others. 
They never saw anyone get saved except when their pastor prayed at the end of service while they were running to their car to beat traffic. Acts 2, 42-47, T-A-V. Family, can we be real up in the house at the 11 a.m.? Can we be real? Somebody say, be real. Can I have your permission to be real for a moment? You, those who are watching us on YouTube and Facebook right now, again, I should have said welcome earlier. Be real all of, wherever you're watching this, wherever you are in the room today. Family, here is what I would say. We have badly gotten away from the one another lifestyle. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation because there is none in Jesus. It starts with me and Lisa, and then you put your name there. We've gotten away from the way God told us to live. We've gotten away from it, sadly. Uh, We could say it's busyness or all kinds of stuff. I get it. I get it. You get it. It's easy to get away from this, but I'm telling you, this is the way. Amen? And it's church, I want to tell you, it's time for us to return to our biblical roots. It's time for us to get in the groove of God and begin to do our best. We'll never do it perfectly. I'm a flawed man, imperfect, just like you are. And here's what I know. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to have failures. But by the grace of God, I'm going to keep getting up. By the strength of God, I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to do my best to live it God's way. Amen? That's the way we got to be. And what we've done is we've allowed, how did we get here? We've allowed so many things to creep in this, what we call a kingdom lifestyle that we're called to by by the king. We've allowed these things to creep in our lives. You can probably have a bunch of descriptions and names just like Lisa and I could, but it's made us a people that we were never meant to be. And so just as we drill down on this, since we're being real and you gave me permission, okay, uh, and we're being honest, I'll just say what has happened in the church is crept. It's just kind of crept into the church quietly through the decades. We've become a lot more selfish. We've become a lot more individualistic in many ways to protect ourselves. But God wants our hearts open again. Amen. With that individualism became narcissism. We became more narcissistic. Somebody's like, I don't think I like this message anymore, but... uh. I'm just being real. It's crept into the church. That's us. We are the church. In a day, listen to me, in a day where we could be more connected in history because of technology like never before, in a day that we could be more connected with each other than ever before, we are more disconnected. And we're just a little bit more sinful. The things that we didn't used to do or live out, we've kind of given some room there. And here's the deal. At our deepest core, we know it. And it matters. Why does it matter? Well, I'll just give you one reason right here on the screen. This came out of 2023 from Barna. When only 28% of Americans have a favorable view of Christians, it matters. That's the world we're talking about. Your life, my life, our life, the way we live it, it matters. And you might, like, you might be like, I, I don't like the microscope. I don't, I don't like the glass windows. But I'm telling you, the glass windows are there. And I say, bring on the microscope, baby, even through my imperfections, because you're going to see Jesus if you look a little closer. Amen? That's the prayer. That should be our prayer, that we would be living examples of Jesus on the earth. 
Jesus is in heaven and his spirit is in my heart. And if you're a Christian in the room, his spirit is in you. And we're never going to do it perfectly, but we're constantly running after Jesus. And the prayer is, God, let me be a living example of your son. Amen? Let me be. Father, help me. Holy Spirit, he's a helper. Help me. Empower me to be a living example of Jesus. Can we say that together as a prayer? Help me be a living example of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Help me be a living example of Jesus. Because listen, our lifestyle, the way we live for God, it should make people jealous. But instead, we're making people jaded. You're like, jealous? Yes, they should want what we have. And what do we have? Jesus, the power of the Spirit. We have hope in a world where there is no hope. We have peace when we're surrounded by chaos. That's all found in Jesus. Amen? So our lifestyle should make people jealous. Like, i got to have me some of that. I don't even know if I believe in God, but I want to know more about him through our life. Amen? Our Our lifestyle should make people believe, but instead we're making people bored. When we don't live Jesus' way, you're walking in a kind of a boredom of Christianity. But when you walk, or I should say run, in the way of God and in his life, I'm telling you, people are like, man, what is it about this guy? What is it about this girl? There's something different about them. The difference is Jesus. Our lifestyle should pull or draw people in, but instead we're pushing people away. Heaven help us. That we could reflect Christ. Amen? Christianity in America, Christianity in America is suffering a great PR problem. Say it to you like this, Christianity is suffering from a serious public relations problem because the people of God aren't living the way Jesus called us to live. And we can change it. It doesn't have to stay a problem. I believe anytime we have a problem, there's a solution right around the corner. Amen? So what are we going to do about it? What are, we, what are we going to do about it? We got to re- I already said it. We got to return to our biblical roots. We got to return to the way Jesus called us to live. And we see it in Acts chapter 2, 42. Acts 2, 42. Uh, theologians call, I'm going to give you four things that we see in Acts 2, 42. Theologians call it the four marks of the church. Uh, as a simple man, I just call it the four ingredients you've got to have to live the way for Jesus. The four marks of the church, the four ingredients that you've got to have. Come on, mama, you know this. Those who are, whoever cooks in your home, if there's that one ingredient, I'll be tasting like, something's missing. It's just not like mom's. (laughs) Don't say that around your wife, ever. (laughs) I learned that early on. This is something different. I don't know. Two days of silence. All right, people, so... (laughs) Ingredients. Somebody say ingredients. The four marks of the church. Number one, we need these operating together in our lives. Number one is the apostles' teaching. Or if, you want to, if you're taking notes, put in parentheses, the word of God. Maybe the question would come, well, hey, they didn't have the whole Bible, so what were they reading? They were reading most, if not all, of the Old Testament. Don't forget, Malachi was written 400 years before Jesus came. So they had most, if not all, of the Old Testament. Think about it. They were loving the Psalms like we love the Psalms. They were reading the prophets, but 
the, re- the thing they were reading about, the prophecies, they were like, we actually knew him. Incredible. The, the early church loved the word of God. They ate it up. They devoured the word of God. And let me just spell out the word of God for all of us. It is not just an instruction manual on how to live. Yes, that's part of it. It's also a love letter written by the God of love. And you will find love all in there from Genesis to Revelation. It is an instruction manual how to live on this earth while we're here. But it's a love letter too. When you get in the word of God, it helps us, it helps me get to know the Father's heart. Get to know the Father's voice. Get to know his will. You get away from the word of God because the word of God is like a sword. Come on, a lot of us are going in a life without our sword. A lot of people, the only word they get is on Sunday or Saturday night. That cannot be your word. You can't go into battle without your sword. Not not today. You need the word even if it's only 15 minutes. Even if it's on the phone while you're driving to work and you're just listening to it. Get the word in your heart. Amen? we got to be people of the word. The word tells us how to be intimate with our Savior. How to get to know him. How How to live for him. He's not only Savior, he's Lord. The Bible tells us how to know the person of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. Amen? But here, even most importantly, the Bible tells us where we came from, where we're going, and what we're supposed to be doing while we're here. You can all find it in the Word. And we got to be a people, they said they devoted themselves to the Word. we got to be devoted, Amen? And I don't know about you, maybe I'm just speaking for me, but I'm one of the most easily distracted people. Squirrel, that's me. (laughs) I mean, that is me. Chad, you know it. All right? Lisa definitely knows it. All right? And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to give you, I'm going to go vulnerable for a moment. You're going to see inside my chest, all right? There's not a nest there, I promise. I'm just a real person. And and when I'm in that lobby talking to y'all, and I love just high-fiving and saying hello to me as many people as I can and praying with people, it takes everything in me to focus on one person. I'll be talking to him, and that's why you'll notice, like, man, he's like kind of staring in my eyes. I'm doing it to focus. Because if I don't, I'll be like this. What's happening over there? You know. <laughs> Have you noticed when you go to the Word of God, it can be the most distracting time ever? You think about everything. Your list just your phone just going on. Put the phone away, unless you're playing worship. All right? Put the phone away. All right, turn it on, put it away. There's a do not disturb on that thing. Hit that button, all right? Because your time with God and his word is the most precious time of all. Amen? It's the most precious time of all. You skip the word, you're missing out on the most important time with the Lord. It is literally the God-breathed words of heaven on paper or on your phone or whatever we got to memorize the word, meditate on the word. we got to be proclaiming the word in our prayers. Amen? Why? Because we are people of the word. Number two ingredient, number two mark of the early church. Y'all still with me? Fellowship. And let me just tell you, it is much more deeper than friendship. Most people stay at friendship level. God wants to get to fellowship level. You're like, well, what is that? Well, it's the Greek word koinonia, and simply it means doing life together. Doing life together. It's, it's opening up your heart again. It's trusting again. It's, it's, it's being real with brothers and sisters. And let me tell you, we see this was normality for the early church. They had a Sunday through Saturday rhythm of just doing life together. 
They didn't just see each other at church. Hey, Bob. Hey, Sue. Hey, Tom. Hey, Ann. They knew each other outside the walls. That's the power of small groups, right? That's the power of fellowship. Look, I know I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to hear the heartbeat of God right now. I know all of us have been hurt. I just keep, it's just coming to me. So it's like in my face. I know that. I'm not discounting that. But I'm telling you, don't live in hurt. Begin to live again. Open up your heart. Open up your home. Even have your body posture and your body language be open and not closed off. Be open. Somebody say open. You're like, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. Not without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? These people, they didn't just study God's word. They shared life with one another. They constantly had each other over in their homes, eating together, laughing together. I've, I've laughed so hard with people at times. You've been there before. You start making weird laugh noises. You're laughing so hard. Your ribs hurt. Anybody been there? All right. Just don't snort, please. But, uh, but you're just laughing hard. You're crying. You know you can, you can be laughing so hard you start crying. All right. It's a good cry. All crying is good, I think. But, and here's the deal before we move to point number th- th- three. They contributed one to another. They made each other better. All right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? Not, it's not just men. We always hear it with men, iron sharpening iron. It's all of us together. When you're together, we're, we're contributing. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, man, I never thought about that before. Oh, my gosh, that is, that's right. Well, can I pray for you? Yes. Will you pray for me? You know, like, there's contributing one to another. We don't come in it to get something for us. We come to give to them and vice versa, and God meets all needs. That's true koinonia, the power of knowing and being known. Number three, the breaking of bread. I told you, the early church, they loved to eat, and so do you. (laughs) So do we. They knew the power of a shared meal, and a lot of things like that, that power of sharing happens around kitchen tables. It was here the church would even share communion together. They'd have a meal They'd hang out, be talking, laughing, whatever, and then they, hey, before, before we leave, why don't we take communion together? By the way, I encourage you to do that. Not only do it with your family, do it with friends. Let's just take a moment. Let's take 15 minutes and remember what Jesus has done. Let's, let's end the night with that. Amen? I want to say this to you. All of you are in rows today, and you're looking at me. It can be at times terrifying. I'm just going to say, all right, Every, all eyes on, but, but let me just say this. We don't grow relationally in rows. This is part of Lisa's DNA. She says this every time almost she's on the platform. We don't grow relationally in rows. We grow in circles. We grow around kitchen tables. We grow around living rooms. Those are some of the best memories we have. And that's what we need to do. Not just small groups. Yes, small groups. But life. Don't do it for a program. Don't do it for a semester. Let's live this way. Amen? Let's live this way for the Lord. Something special happens when you break bread together. Meaningful connections take place. And I want to give you, i got to read this because I read it every time, and it's still, I'm like, really? This is awesome. Medically and psychologically, before we move to number four, medically and psychologically, it is a proven fact that when you share meals with one another, listen to this, we experience a sense of belonging, support, and, listen to this, reduce stress levels. Somebody's like, all right, sign me up. I'm there. 
Something supernatural. I have been at times, and I don't have time to go there, in some of the hardest, I've had some of the hardest people, just hard-hearted people, and it was just cold and awkward. I'm like, Holy Spirit, please, would you just come to the table and do something with this person? You know, like wouldn't talk back. How you, I mean, what's God doing in your life? It's good. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, well, you know, is, is there anything that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, all right, can we just end this now instead of go for another 45 minutes? You know, but can I tell you what? Over a meal, breaking bread, something happens. Something happens. It's special. And the most hard-hearted or even people that don't like each other. Let me just tell you this. It's hard to be offended when you say, would you please pass the salt? You know? <laughs> it just is. Something special and supernatural, I submit to you, happens when we break bread together. Number four, prayer. Man, that early church, they were a praying people. They prayed with each other and for each other. They never stopped praying. You read it all through the book of Acts, man. They never stopped praying. Listen, you know this. Those who pray together, come on, stay together. And they were one big family, just like us. And supernatural miracles were taking place in their lives and in the church. When they were together as one big body and outside, which is really where we want to see it happen too, right? It all happened because they were people of prayer. And you've heard me say this since we've been here. Prayer is the engine of the church. If prayer is not happening in a church, I submit to you that's a dead church. If prayer is not happening in your family, watch out. That's a danger sign. Husbands and wives, the first thing, you hear me say this all the time, I'll never not say it. The first thing the enemy will try to do to build up bricks, which makes a wall between you and your best friend, is to get you to stop praying together. And I just say this, when you don't want to do it, that's the time you need to do it. Well, I'm just not liking her today. Or I'm not liking him. He has been a jerk lately. You definitely need to pray. All right? Pray together. And we're having some fun here in this moment, but I'm saying, I'm telling you, don't let the enemy build up a wall between you and your best friend, your life partner. Pray together even when you don't feel like it. Grab her hand in that bed before you fall out and just speak a blessing over her and your marriage and your family. Those that pray together, stay together. And this is why corporate prayer in this campus, which happens on Wednesday night, is so important. Pastor Dennis, when he started the church, he said the most important hour of the week is the prayer hour. So do whatever you can, when you can, to come pray with us. And I'm telling you, watch what God will do. Amen? We're going to bring this to a close because we're going to get ready to take communion. I want to give you some final thoughts. So what happens? What happens when we live out these four? The Word of God, right? The fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. I would submit to you something supernatural takes place, and it starts in our hearts. First thing that happens, if you take a note real quick, and I'm just going to compound this into like almost like a paragraph to say it to you like this. The awe and the wonder of God explodes in your heart. Like God, God is already bigger and greater and holy and almighty, but I'm telling you, as you live his way, he becomes bigger in here. The awe and the wonder of God is elevating your life. And what happens out of that, when we live these four ways, these four ingredients, these four marks, you'll see a unity take place. And brother and sister, let me tell you, God smiles on unity. And do you know what's right behind unity? Miracles. 
Our God is still in the miracle-working business, and you will see the most miracles when people, when families, when husbands and wives, when friends are united. God loves unity, and he can't stand disunity. So we got to fight for unity, amen? And come this fall in the political season and voting for a president, and yes, you should vote because someone died for your vote to have the freedom to vote, but let me tell you what, we got to stay united in Jesus' name no matter what is the outcome of the presidential election. We got to be united. And the only way we can do that is with the help of the Holy Spirit. In a very divisive world, we can be very united in Jesus. Amen? Unity is beautiful to Jesus. And it's what family really looks like. Our family, as imperfect as we are, your family, but when we come together under the banner of Jesus, it's beautiful. And generosity explodes and joy explodes. Notice I didn't say happiness. Happiness is a feeling according to the day. Joy comes from the Lord and it's your strength. Joy explodes in you. Generosity explodes. You start sharing, helping. And here's what happens really into our lives. When we live this kingdom way and we walk this out, listen, as we get ready to close this out, we see the supernatural provision of God meeting needs through the people of God. When you live with a kingdom mindset, listen to me, we no longer see money as mine. We no longer see our house as mine. No, it's a mi casa, su casa. My house is your house. Just don't take all the food from the fridge. <laughs> mi casa, su casa. Because it's not my house. It's God's house. He gave me that house. He gave me that apartment. He gave me that condo. He gave me that car. Use this car for your glory. Use my house for your glory. Use my life for your glory. God has blessed us in whatever way to not only be a blessing to others, but to help others in need. Amen? So we can't live with a closed fist mentality. Mine. You got to get rid of it. We got to drop it. We got to repent of it, actually. No, if you're a Christian, even your own life is not yours anymore. Gotta open my hands. And it starts with opening your heart. Amen? And out of that heart posture, listen to me, this is very important. Out of living that way the best you can, we're not going to do it perfectly. But as you keep going after God, living that way, you will see others who do not know Jesus watching your life, and they will find Jesus. People will take notice. They will take notice of our imperfect life. Yeah, we could be easy to pick each other apart, but they will see something different about your imperfect, flawed life. And the difference is Jesus. People, I declare it over you as you live for God and you live this way, his way, you will start seeing people coming to Jesus like you've never seen before. Because I'm telling you, there's a bunch of lost and searching souls and they're looking all the wrong places for love and you've got it and his name is Jesus. People will take notice. As we prepare for communion, I want to close out with a story. We have a young adult in our church. Her name is Monica. Monica I think we have a picture over here. She has an awesome love for Jesus, probably one of the greatest smiles ever. And uh, she has a genuine love for Jesus that you, if you just meet her, you will know this woman loves Jesus. 
She's also the manager at Waffle House, all right? So the other day, Trey and I were having some fine dining at Waffle House, all right? Somebody was like, fine dining? Yes, to each his own, all right? So, and so I was having me some scrambled eggs, and Monica was on the grill, doing all this kind of stuff. And our waitress came up to us, and she said, hey, I've been here for eight hours, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to finish you guys. I'm going to hand you all off to someone else. And Monica's just doing all the stuff, preparing my eggs, like throw some cheese on there, you know, and just doing that. And, and we're just having this conversation with our waitress. And I can tell she's wore out, just like any of us would be after an eight-hour shift. And uh, long story short, she steps out about six feet from us. We're just having fun with her, talking to her. By the way, always be ready for opportunities. Always be ready. When you go into a restaurant, just don't think, just survival mode with the kids. Think about, God, how can we be a blessing to a waiter or waitress or to strangers around us? Be intentional. Heads up. Slow down. Look around. Trey and I knew it right away. For those that don't know, Trey is a staff member here and a good brother, good friend to me. And so the waitress steps about six feet from us. Monica's right behind her on the grill. And she's like, what is it about you people? Y'all are... Everyone that's connected to her, to Monica, y'all are so kind and nice. I'm like, oh, Jesus, here it comes. There's another table, another plate being served, and it's her heart, not just the food that she was bringing. She's like, I mean it, like everybody that's connected to you. So she's talking to us and talking to Monica. It's like a little tennis thing going on. And she's like, everybody that comes in here and knows you, Monica, they're, everybody's so nice. They're so kind. By the way, Monica is right over there at the Waffle House next to Mill Creek. And, um, and I said, you know what? I told the waitress because she's backing away, getting ready to leave. I said, you know what the common denominator is? And she said, yes, it's Monica. I said, no. She said, what? <laughs> I said, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And she took one more step back and just smiled at us. And then she left. But can I tell you, when she left, she left with seeds of love and kindness in her heart. And she knows, she may not be able to articulate it, but she knows there's something different about Monica, and there's something different about the people that are connected to Monica, and the connection is Jesus Christ. People take notice when Jesus is real in your life. When we live his way. We're going to honor his way right now in communion. Amen? If you did not receive the elements, if you'll just raise your hand, and our ushers will bring them. Raise your hand high so they can find you. At the end of communion, I'm going to pray for healing. What better time to pray for healing when we brag on the blood of Jesus? Amen? but I want us to pray together. So as you're prepping that, would you just bow your head and close your eyes and then we're gonna take a communion together as a family. Keep your hands high, they'll bring them to you. They're, they're looking around. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. We thank you for giving us life we thank you for loving us at our worst. We thank you for your unfailing love. Would you just right where you're at, just make your chair your altar, and would you just 
under your breath, just begin to tell him, thank you, Lord. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be? Jesus, we thank you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for never leaving me or forsaking me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your resurrection power that lives in us, that lives in me, God. Thank you, Lord, for your victory. If you're here today in this moment and you are away from Jesus, you've never surrendered your heart to him, you may be running far away from him, God has you here today in church. Right now in this moment, I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you are away from Jesus, but you want to surrender your life to him, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Today, I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. Raise a high so I can see you. Just between me and you and God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. Today, I need to come back to Jesus. Today, maybe for the first time, today I need to bow my knee, the knee of my heart, to the King of all kings. Today, yes, God sees, you're lifting your hand, but God sees your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For those that lifted their hands now, but for all of us, can we pray this? Pray it with sincerity. Pray it with your heart. Pray it with faith, and God will meet you right where you're at. Say, Jesus, I believe I really believe that you lived, died, and rose from the dead, and you did it for me. So today, I surrender my life and doing life my way, and I make you king of my heart. So I repent, Lord. Repent of running my life my way come into my heart be my savior be my lord be my friend and help me be all that you call me to be in Jesus name amen come on what can wash away our sins nothing but the blood of Jesus amen thank you lord thank you for those who made decisions lord thank you And we celebrate you now and what you did for us. We were on the way to death and you gave us life. Would you stand with me now as we take communion? Would you just grab that piece of wafer and would you break it representing the broken body of Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus broke that bread in front of his 12. He said, this is my body broken for you. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for the world. I want you to hear this right now. He did it for you. You, daughter. You, son. He did it for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. After supper, they passed the cup of wine around representing his blood, and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. I remind you, there's power in the blood. There's life in the blood. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. He shed it for me. He shed it for you.
not only we be forgiven, but we can walk in a new relationship with him. Amen? Lord, we thank you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Take and drink. Thank you, Lord. There's just some, some buckets right there at the end of your aisle. Pass it down. Let me get mine right there. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, would you just put your hand on your heart right now? Oh, that's what he so desperately wants. He wants our heart every day. It's not a one-time prayer. It's an every day. God, you can have my heart. There's people in the room that are hurting physically. There's people in the room that are hurting emotionally. And God can heal whatever the situation is. Nothing is too big for him, too difficult. So as you're handing your heart, I'm going to pray over all of our hearts in a moment. Then Russ is going to close us out. But right now in this moment, if you're hurting physically or emotionally, would you just lift your hand as a surrender? Lord, say, that's me. I need healing in my life. All of us do at times. All of us do. There's nothing wrong with you. I pray over my brothers and sisters. Y'all just agree with me. Father, I pray over my brothers and sisters who have their hands lifted high, who are hurting in their bodies or in their souls. And God, we want to thank you. We don't have to stay hurt. We thank you that you're the God through your blood, by your stripes, we are healed. And so, Father, let your healing be poured out over every person here and those who are watching us online. In the name of Jesus, God, pour out your healing, pour out your life, pour out your strength, pour out your wholeness. Inside, outside, all around, from head to toes, let your healing flow through bodies and hearts. In Jesus' name. And God, speaking of hearts, as we have our hearts, starting with me, Lord. God, I want to live this way for you. I want to walk this way. I want to talk this way. Lord God, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna mess up. I'm not gonna always hit the mark. But God, by your grace and by your strength, help us as a people walk your way. Help us as a people live your way for your glory, for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name.